Okay, and we're back for another episode of the Six Sports Talk with Brett Black and Jaden Jones. Uh, we're going to take a break this week from talking CFL. I feel like we've done that to death right now. Uh, not, not really any new information about what's going on there. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays we'll get to next week. They're still in Grapefruit League action. So really no key updates about the broadcast or what's going on. So we'll leave that for rest. But we'll get into it with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Six. Uh, big news, though, with Jimmy VC, He is now a part of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, so he was put on waivers yesterday, I believe it was. And uh, almost immediately, Vancouver ended up picking him up. So he's now joined their squad and actually played in his first game last night, I believe. So um, with Jimmy VC, with Jimmy VC moving on, that means Alex Galchenyuk almost immediately was uh, a part of Leafs practice with the with the normal sweater on. He not part of the taxi squad. He's he's joined the the team and will most likely be playing in their next game. So I know I've seen a lot of reaction to Jimmy VC being let go. Uh, to me, the way I took it is that they're trying to put him on the taxi squad to kind of uh, help with the salary cap. They're doing it a different way. This. Uh, this year, obviously, with COVID-19 and how things have to be handled. But I think because they have to go through waivers, all of a sudden, um, he's free to anybody. It's just it kind of sucks the way it worked out. But I know a lot of people are saying that the reason he was released was due to the fact that he wasn't scoring. And I thought that was kind of strange because to me, when I look at a player like VC, he's a depth guy. He's a two-way forward. You can put him on um, an offensive line but he's not really there to score. He's just there to, for his defensive abilities. He's like, I mean, I wouldn't even compare him to being like probably the top defensive player on the Leafs, but he just gives you that solid depth. And to me, he's not a goal scorer. I don't know where that came from, but that's kind of why people were saying he was released. But to me, I'm, I'm sticking strictly with this is a salary cap move on part of the Leafs. It, it has to be because VC was lighting it up this year. He was doing a great job of working that second, third line type of role and, and putting up points on the board. And now that may be because he was playing with obviously some of the top guys, but he, he was also like being a very aggressive forward. And the fact that he was getting to the dirty corners, he was, he was really trying to make a, make a name for himself and make his presence known on the ice. He's a very hardworking guy, and, and me personally, it's uh, it, it was really tough to see him go. I'm I'm excited to see what Galchenyuk does, but I don't have very high, very much high expectations for him. So just to add a little bit of controversy to that, but I saw just got a Twitter notification that uh, Galchenyuk has been sent back to the taxi squad, and that uh, they called up uh, Kenny Augustino from the Marlies. It looks like he might be getting some minutes. But another name that we talked about quite a bit recently has been Scott Saberin and kind of waiting to see if he even gets some playing time because he had a really amazing impact. His first game with the Marlies only lasting 23 seconds in the game. But damn, those were some good 23 seconds. Yeah, and for those who didn't see the play, what had happened was uh, they were in the Marlies were in their defensive zone. Uh, the puck got chipped out. It was a race for it. Sabrin turned on the Jets, beat both defenders, came in, picked up the puck, was trying to go forehand, backhand. Um, the goalie didn't back up whatsoever. Goalie was stayed at the top of his crease. Uh, immediate collision. And when you have a guy as big as Sabrin coming down the lane and making that sort of impact on your goalie, I mean, 
it's it's never going to turn out good. So the, the goalie went flying. I believe his helmet came off. Some guy tried to come in and, and you know, try to say, like, like try to fight Sabrin pretty much, um, which is never a good idea. But um, Sabrin ended up dropping his gloves immediately. He knew it was coming. He knew as soon as he made contact with the goalie that someone from, I believe they were playing Laval, someone from Laval was uh, was going to come in and say something to him. So Sabrin dropped his mitts, um, fed him about three or four pretty good punches, and um, and the guy looks at him after and, and, and basically says, what the hell? which was um, kind of strange because Sabrin wasn't the instigator in that. But anyways, yeah, like you said, it was a very interesting play. It was a, it was a very exciting play, uh, to say the least. It was, it was good to see. And, yeah, I, I really hope to see him up in the, in, the, in the Leafs jersey here soon. I think it's only a matter of time. Now, just talking about the, the Leafs roster uh, – we know how good this team can be. We've we've seen really good things from them. Obviously, Matthews this year has been phenomenal. He is looking like like a first team all star for the league. Uh, Marner has been fantastic. We've seen Spezza playing like he's a twenty three year old again. He's really found his legs. Not to even mention Joe Thornton has been a welcome addition when Simmons was there for the early part of the season. He fit in perfectly. Uh, Bogosian. Brody, Riley, that all seems like they're doing their jobs fairly well. Then all of a sudden, for the past two weeks, it's like we, we touch based on it a little bit, but it's almost like the Leafs were doing so well against the Scotia North Division that they got bored and they just kind of, you know, weren't into games that much. They were allowing the other teams to kind of take advantage of it. And, you know, I've been trying to find a reason for why they are, there's something, but to me, it literally just feels like they're, they're bored. And like the fact that they're like, Oh yeah, you know, we're, we're next level. But now even when I'm looking at the stats, they were about 10 points this time last week, they were 10 points ahead of Winnipeg for the, the uh, first spot. I'm trying to pull it up here quickly. Uh, so right now they're sitting at uh, 40 points and uh, a week ago, Winnipeg was at 28 points right now. They're sitting in second with 38 Edmonton's right there with 38 points. Uh, Montreal is there with 34 points. And all of a sudden, this massive lead they had in the North Division has shrunk, and now it's a must-win every game for the Leafs. And they've really put themselves in this weird hole. And again, I know Dubas has came out and said, well, we're looking to add depth. We're looking to add more trades. But to me, I feel like it's just the the players that need to get more engaged. Uh, even the goaltending this, this past month has been really bad. Not only with Anderson, like obviously he's been injured a little bit. Same with Jack Campbell. Um, but even Hutchinson has looked shaky at some points. What are what should we expect of the roster? Like, is this just hey midseason blues? We're trying to to get more into it, or we're waiting until playoffs, or is it you know they're just not engaged? Like, what's going on with the Leafs right now? I'm not sure what's going on, and it's kind of weird because, like you said, last week or or before they went on the slump, they were doing so well. It was like no one could touch them in the league, even though they haven't played other teams. They were just dominant they were just a dominant force they're scoring goals their goaltending was solid they had uh Hutchinson uh Anderson and Campbell all allow one goal over three games against Edmonton at one point and now they're on they're on a massive losing streak so I'm not sure it's just been a huge 180 for the team and, and it's really tough to watch I gotta say now the other night they did gain some momentum late against the Senators they were down four to one 
They scored two quick ones within, I believe, a three to four minute span and, and made it close against Ottawa, but Ottawa still pulled it out, which those games you got to win. You got to win the games again. You got to beat teams that are meant to be beaten. If they're lower than you in the standings, you need to beat them. And and that's just that's just the way it is. But yeah, it's been a very, very tough slump for the Leafs. And I know that they've been linked to names like Ricard Raquel um, over in Anaheim, I believe it is. Uh, he's a free agent right now, and um, he's on the trading block as well. So they might try to move him. They may make a deal with Anaheim. They have made deals over the past decade or so, tons of deals with Anaheim. They have a good relationship with them GM-wise, I believe. So I think that you'll see a move at the deadline. What it is, I don't know, but I just know that that's a name that has been thrown around. You know, I, I do agree. By the way, Raquel would be a, a really good fit for the Leafs lineup and what they have going on right now. But to me, if I'm looking at this roster and I'm looking at what we need to add, to me, it's not even about adding players that can score because we know they don't have a problem scoring. But to me, it's to be more engaged in the play, be more, you know, aggressive at points. Like, obviously, I'm not saying go out and fight every single guy on the team. But I'm saying, like, it, like when I watch them against a team like Winnipeg or Montreal, they're a very puck-possessive team. That's how they control the play. That's why they don't have as many shots. They kind of wait their turn until they see like a shot they want and make. But with that being said, when they are doing this, they're getting pushed around. They're getting like checked and there's like no reaction. And really it looks like these teams like Winnipeg and Montreal, when they all of a sudden turn up the intensity, the Leafs kind of back off a little bit and it throws off their game plan. So if I'm kind of watching the Leafs for the next, uh, we're now in the second half of the NHL season, but what I'm expecting to see is number one, for them to get a little bit more engaged, a little bit more physical and to, to be more adaptive. Cause you know what? Sheldon Keith, I think he's got a good game plan. We know he can win. He won the, what is it? The Calder cup uh, or the Calder trophy, which is the American hockey league championship uh, three years ago in 2017 they just have to be more adaptive. And I think that's been one of their biggest issues. And the same thing we've seen years prior, where the minute that they start getting hit, the minute that they start getting uh, intimidated, they just back right off and and teams just run right through them. Sort of the same thing we saw with uh, Columbus last year as well. Yeah, and I think that the um, that Wayne Simmons will be a big help when he gets back. And, and as we both know, he competed uh, with his first practice I believe it was yesterday. Um, he practiced with the team for the first time since breaking uh, his wrist on February 6th. So I think when he gets back, he'll obviously still have his uh, third, fourth line role with uh, with Jason Spezza. And I think that he's a big ball of energy that can really help out the Leafs lineup and really bring some fire and intimidation to their lineup. So when you see um, Matthews getting hit, when you see Tavares getting hit, when you see all these young studs that are getting beat on every single night you know that next time Wayne Simmons comes out there's going to be a fight he's going to try to rally the boys he's going to try to really bring some some uh, personality to to the game of hockey and to to that Leafs lineup absolutely right now the Leafs sit at 19-9 and 2 and at 40 points where they lead the Scotia North Division their next game comes tomorrow night I believe against the Calgary Flames um, usually I would go off my phone for this, but uh, I'm going to show the camera here. If you're watching on YouTube, it is completely smashed because 
it uh, fell down my chair the wrong way and it is what it is. And I'm upset. Anyway, we'll move on now to the Toronto Six. Um, they start their action uh, this time next week. The uh, final four, if you will, will take to the ice in Boston or just outside of Boston. I haven't seen a schedule yet for them, but I know that some of the players have been a little antsy about going back into a bubble with the National Women's Hockey League, mainly because what we saw in Hartford about a month ago, where I think it was the Connecticut Whale, their entire team tested, not their entire team, but a a large portion of the team tested positive for COVID-19. And then there was, I think, Buffalo Buttes that they pulled out because of also COVID-19 concerns. And just having players that tightly knit together on the ice there's a lot of concerns about if it's spread. I didn't hear of any exposure passed from just the two teams, but if you're a player in the National Women's Hockey League right now, knowing that you're going back, obviously you want to be on the ice, you want to finish the season, but do you have some concerns about health protocols and even going back into a bubble that didn't work the first time? Oh, of course. Like, especially this quickly too, right? Like, it was what, I would say two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago that they were in the bubble, like they're always going to have that concern in the back of their head. Like this pandemic isn't going away anytime soon. Yes, we're getting vaccinated, but it's still at a very slow pace. And these, these women have been through it before. They just went through it. They don't want to have to play one series, win that, go potentially into the championship round and have to pull out of the tournament again. It's always going to be in the back of their minds. It's it, it just it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's fair enough. You just kind of deal with it as it comes. And when you are wanting to go and play professional sports, obviously, we've seen with other leagues as well that, you know, you just kind of have to take it as it comes if you're if you're playing and you want to play that year. Um, and, and for sure, I'm I'm guessing the National Women's Hockey League. The front office has looked at what went, went wrong. They figured out what the issue was. And even with it being a two-day event, it really, there shouldn't be any issues. It's just get in, get out, and like, let's get this season done. And uh, overall, I'm actually excited because when before we stopped, the Toronto Six uh, looked fantastic. They were first in the league. And going into it, I would say maybe the favorites to win the Isabel Cup this year. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, with their lineup, they had a stacked defense. Their forwards were really stepping up, and their goalie situation got uh, gradually better over the the first uh, tournament that they had. So, yeah, I would say that that they were they were huge favorites uh, going in, and um, I think that they still are the favorites. If uh, you want to know more about the Toronto Six, I highly recommend following them on Twitter. Probably one of the best Twitter accounts I've seen for professional sports Uh, as well. We should by this time next week, have a little bit more data uh, or data, uh, more info about the schedule. You can also check out the national women's hockey league on Twitter and on their Twitch where all games are broadcasted live. And honestly uh, watching sports on Twitch, it's kind of a welcome change where you can actually interact with the broadcasters. Um, I know you've had a chance to watch a few games on Twitch now as well. Uh, What's it's really enjoyable. Honestly, I like it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's tough because you, you have to have good internet. That's that's the main thing, right? You have to have good internet. And um, here at George Brown, when there's, I would say, over 800, 900 kids in the, in the building, 
it's it can be tough sometimes with the with the internet situation but overall it's been good so far and yeah i've gotten used to twitch i've uh not only by watching the games but um i watch a one of our friends who's a who's a streamer on twitch so i've gotten used to the platform it's a super easy platform like it's very like anyone can use it you just go in uh very top corner search bar type in nwhl and in the toronto six uh, games will pop up so very easy platform i've enjoyed watching the games on twitch and it's uh yeah i'm really looking forward to to the playoffs here actually that's a really good segue into uh, raptors ball and we'll give a shout out to our buddy vaughn underscore schiller who is now the officially uh, i think officially it's the first twitch related to nba top shots so congratulations to him if you haven't had a chance to watch him yet he's very entertaining he's got like i would say he's uh he's got one of the best personalities out there for broadcasting so i'm glad to see that he's doing really successful so i'll give a shout out to him but we'll talk about the toronto raptors they've had some issues the past uh three we'll say month uh because of covid related issues they had five of their starters out uh van fleet talked about it and I know that he said that he wouldn't wish that upon anyone. Like it was really rough for him. And now they're back. They're they're. I wouldn't say they fully recovered, but they're. It's nice to have the full squad back. But the Raptors need to pick up the pace as of like right now because they are currently sitting in 12th spot in the Eastern Conference. Now the good part about this is that the NBA is doing the play-in round, and if there is one saving grace about doing the play-in round, other than you know, I, I personally, I don't think the NBA should have it. It kind of bugs me a little bit. But the fact that if the Raptors finish 10th in the Eastern Conference, they still have that ability to have a playoff spot and play for some sort of uh, chance to be in the playoffs this year. But if you don't want to risk it, they need to pick up. Uh, they need to pick up the pace really quick. And I think the guys know that, especially the guys that are coming back from COVID. You saw last night that they were really trying to get their shots up, really trying to uh, get something going, get their legs back onto them because being off for two weeks is so, so tough, especially in the middle of a season where you're grinding every day, you're working out every day. And when they're in their, in their houses, in their rooms, wherever they were quarantining, you can't do any of that. You can do push-ups and sit-ups and stuff like that. But I mean, like, it's not, it's not the same. You're, you're not getting any shots up. You're not, you're not doing anything. So for them to come back and, and have get one practice into them, I believe, and, and then just go straight into it. I mean, they, they know what's at stake. They know what's on the line. And I think that they're really going to step up and, uh, and try to uh, take this Raptors team to the playoffs. And I think that for pretty much right now, we've talked about trade rumors involving Lowry. Uh, we've seen Siakam involved in a few trade rumors. Norman Powell now has been involved in a few rumors, uh, but for at least for the starters and the main guys in the roster right now, I don't really see any trades coming. I think we're pretty much accepted by the time March 25th hits. We're not going to see any major moves. We've talked about Bain a little bit, how it would definitely be, there should be an upgrade in the center position. Baines has played to me very well the last couple of months. He's really fallen into the routine a little bit. He's still struggling with I would say the plays, he doesn't really fit the style of the Raptors, but he's made himself more, less of a, I'm trying to think of a word here. Pylon? Yeah, let's go with that. But he's, he's, he's tried to make himself an asset to the team and trying to help where he can. 
But it, just for the way the Raptors are, it was a quick sign in the offseason after losing Ibaka and Gasol, two big names, as we know, for the Raptors. But come March 26, when the deadline is said and done, the Raptors squad is going to look the same. I can't see there being any trades or any moves going on unless it's for depth and maybe seeing someone to come in and replace someone like Davis, who has been iffy this season. Thomas, with the mints he's been given, has looked off quite a bit. And uh, even uh, Utah Wontanabe, He's been amazing uh, for what they've expected of him. I think he's gone beyond what the bar has been set for him, but he's still not at that level yet where I'd be trusting him with important minutes or to really step up in games and be that big game-changing player. Uh, do you think we'll see a big move made by the 26, or do you think we're just – it is what it is right now? If it's on the table, I would say yes, we see a move because I think that the Raptors, with who they have, I think that – like we said, they're just slacking at that center position. Now, I like Baines. I like his personality. I like the way that he can take charges. But his style of play, like his – I don't know. I just don't think he has enough athleticism um, for this Toronto Raptors lineup. I don't think that his skill set can thrive in this environment right now, in, in which it, it, it really hasn't. Yes, he's taking charges. Uh, yes, he sets great screens, which is something that you need out of someone on your team. Like, you need someone that does those little things perfectly. But he just hasn't lived up to the expectations. He's been turning the ball over, not getting after rebounds. Like, it's it's just been tough to watch at times. And, and even last night, I mean, just situational stuff. So I don't know if you ended up watching the game, but last night, at the end of it, I believe they were down by three. They had like three seconds left, and Larry airmailed it to him at the other end of the court. He got it at the elbow and then like hesitated and was like looking to kick it out for three, but there's only three seconds left, and they just need a quick bucket. So it's just like stuff like that, and you can see – you can just see the frustration growing in the Raptors locker room as – they keep losing games to relatively beatable teams. So I, I think that if there's an offer on the table, I believe Masai and Bobby take it, but only if it benefits them short-term. Or, sorry, only if it benefits them long-term. Yeah, I kind of see that trade. Because any of the ones that I've seen proposed, like even recently, has been the least, or the least, oh my God, uh, the Raptors would be going into a rebuild mode and obviously what they said with the Raptors culture right now and what they're expecting and what the uh, parent company for them, uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment or MLSE has been, they want championships. They're tired of the rebuilding. They're tired of, uh, of that. They want to be playoff teams. They want to be contenders. So any trades right now for me, I look like to add those young guys, it would have to be listen. These guys are going to be ready to go next year and that we can develop them quickly, and it wouldn't be a project player like we saw. Because they've done really good jobs, too, and I want to talk about this with uh, Van Fleet and Siakam, where Van Fleet unbelievably has developed into this amazing starting guard position. Uh, Siakam was a late first-round pick. He's really came into his own. Still struggling this year. You're still seeing him stuck in his head, and obviously I feel like he's got to break out of that. I'm still kind of on the fence if we do keep him after this year. I think maybe trading him to another team and giving him that fresh start might be 
kind of what they ask for. You bring someone in that can help mentor him and help show him get out of the slump because he is still fairly young. He's, I think, 26, 27. So having someone come in with a few years more experience to kind of help him break out of the slump and to get out of his own head and to really show him and guide him towards becoming the next player into more elite status instead of, I would say, uh, all-star status. But, you know, obviously that's going to come with time. And I think for right now, if you're a Raptors fan, don't panic. Um, we saw this team at the beginning of the year. They went, what, like it was 3-11 uh, and 11 or 3-12? and 12. Yeah, wow, that was a rough time. They battled back. They've done fantastic. And then COVID hit. And I think a lot of it is you're just seeing the guys fatigued. And obviously with the short season, we're, we're starting to see some of that. So I think give it time. Let the, the guys that have been off for two weeks with COVID get back into to shape. And I think within two weeks' time, we'll be seeing a better team. But it is important for you to get those wins, especially when you're playing lower-seeded teams, to make sure that you are getting to that. You're, you're keeping yourself in the talk for a playoff position and to be in the playoffs come uh, mid-April. Um other than that, I can't really say too much more about the Raptors. They've uh, it is what it is for them right now. They just have to battle back, keep their heads up, and hopefully things will work out. And getting the guys back into rotation and hopefully to full health soon. Uh, one thing we'll talk about too is uh, it's still the season coming a couple months away in June, but it's the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Now we've talked about this a little bit in past weeks, but there has been a lot of hype around the CEBL. And what they've been able to do over the last two seasons, they're going into their third season this year. Do you think the hype is deserved? Because um, even like there's people that are casual basketball fans in Canada that are talking about this league. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's going to keep growing as long as solid players keep coming in. Like you have guys that played for the national team that are playing in this, playing in this league. And it's, it's across, obviously it's across Canada. Edmonton, Niagara, Hamilton, I mean, Ottawa, they have all these, these teams and they're being heavily supported as well. Um, I think that the talent is there and I think that it's going to keep growing as long as basketball in Canada keeps growing. So some, some players that I've always liked to keep an eye on, uh, Xavier Moon has really come into his own averaging 19 and a half points last year um, with uh, 4.5 assists. So, He's obviously the, I believe we said he was the nephew of Jamario Moon. He used to play for the Raptors and he played in the NBA as well. So, um, and, he, and he had some killer, killer highlights in that 2019 season, Xavier Moon did. So Xavier Moon, Thomas Scrub, he played for the national team, went to Carlton, him and his brother, Philip. And uh, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of great players that I think that this is going to continue to, to take off at, because they also got a TV deal too. Am I right? Yeah, they're uh, with CBC, but CBC is only doing their Saturday games and it's like a few national games, but most of their games are easily accessible through YouTube as well. They have a, do a really good job of making sure that everyone has their fair chance to be seen across uh, not only Canada, but worldwide at this point. Yeah. Okay. So, I think that that's gonna that's gonna grow. The CBC and and maybe even another network will will pick up more games for the CBL, as long as they they do a great job of marketing it to uh, to young people. And and who knows, you can just you can maybe see sometime down the line that they do something like they do in the states, and where it's just like in in high school, 
you'll be able to use that as a potential resource to, to get into the league and then maybe then work your way up to the NBA. That could be uh, a, a platform for, for young people. One thing I like about the Canadian Elite Basketball League too, and, and just uh, I'll also throw the Canadian Premier League out there as well, but they have, I think they set aside, it's like three or four uh, internship spots or uh, places for you sports players or OCAA, or not OCAA, but college players to come play on the team for the summer, but it also allows them to go back and play with their university teams and really allowing for those guys to get that next level or that professional level experience. So that way, if they want to continue their career after college, they could, and they could explore their options. And I know that they talked to, uh, they had one guy from Mohawk college in Hamilton that played with the Hamilton honey badgers. And he said it was an amazing experience and kind of shows you where your career could go even after your schooling's done because all the guys too within the Canadian elite basketball league play overseas in Europe. I think a few guys play in Australia and they just said that it's really a, a really great experience hearing where ball has been able to take all those guys. And I just think a wonderful job of really exposing some of the young players and the talents that Canada has. And in terms of even growing the game, showing kids where they can go and play professionally locally uh, so that way, like their friends and families can come and, you know, really giving them that option instead of, you know, saying like, oh, well, you're from like Sask- Saskatoon. Nobody that plays ball is ever going to play professional basketball anywhere. But now you're seeing the Rattlers and this is really giving them a solid framework for what could be down the road for them. Exactly. And when guys go overseas and let's say they get homesick, hey, you know what, for the summer, I'm going to come home. I'm going to play for my hometown professional basketball team. I can see my friends, my family, and still play the game I love at the same time. So, yeah, it's, it's an awesome opportunity for, for players on the come up, and it's a great outlet and, and resource for, for basketball lovers everywhere. Now we'll move on from the Canadian Elite Basketball League, and we'll talk a little bit about NCAA. Uh, March Madness, it starts tonight, at least at the time of this recording. Um, we have a bracket challenge set up on our Twitter at Six Sports Talk. If you want to go in and enter, it's called Raptors Mandem. I just was trying to have a little bit of fun of with uh, Toronto slang. Obviously, I don't think it suits me that well, but it is what it is. Um, any teams that you're watching for? I know that you have a couple of brackets going right now. Uh, do you see any big upsets? Any teams you're watching for? Or, you know, what's your thoughts for the madness this year? I got Illinois winning. I think that Illinois has looked so solid this year so far. And I I know that the, I guess, the favorite to win would be Gonzaga. But Illinois this year, 22 and 6, have just been putting up massive numbers against opponents and have really shown it, shown out on the defensive end as well. So I think Illinois is going to take it this year. I'm hoping they are anyways. Um... And uh, yeah, so Gonzaga, Illinois, and and Baylor too. Baylor's Baylor's up there, and I believe that was your pick. Am I right? Yeah, Baylor's my pick. When I looked at their defensive stats and how they've been able to move the ball, I think people sleep on them a little bit. I know that they're ranked first, obviously, for their uh, division or conference, whatever you want to call it. But they they look too good for me not to have a deep run this year, and I think maybe even win it all. Okay, yeah. So I, I also um, one of my sleeper picks uh, is, is LSU, 
18 and nine, uh, Cameron Thomas averaging 22.8 points a game and, uh, was an all-star first team, all SEC, SEC squad and, uh, Trendon Watford as well. He's averaging 16 points a game on the same team. Javante smart. All these guys can put the ball in the hoop and, um, are going to, I've seen a couple of their games and, and they're going to make it super interesting for, um, for some of the higher seeds. LSU is currently ranked eight. Another uh, sleeper pick for me, and, and I'll just throw this out there, but uh, Michigan State, I kind of have to throw out there. They're kind of my U.S. college team. I follow them kind of on and off throughout the season. But one team that I think could do some damage, and I have them actually pegged to go to the Final Four, is uh, Loyola Chicago. They uh, look good defensively. I can't tell you like any individual players, but when I was kind of going through their stats and their games, they, uh, they look like a solid team, and I think they could do some damage, at least in the division they're in. And to me, that is the, the biggest upset I would see going into this. But it's called the madness for a reason. And when you think you know everything, you're going to be proven wrong. And there usually is that one Cinderella team that will come out of absolutely nowhere and absolutely dominate. Could be Cleveland this year, because I haven't heard a single thing about Cleveland. And pretty much they wrote them off in the first round. But hey, you never know. And that, again, is the greatness about the madness. Yeah, and and... March Madness, one of my favorite times of year. I love making brackets. I love um, crying when my when my brackets busted. Um, and I I love the first few days. The round of sixty four is always so great because there's basketball literally twenty four seven, college hoops all day, from ten o'clock in the morning to one a.m. It's it's just straight March Madness hoops, and I love every single minute of it. And even those buzzer beaters, those dagger shots, this is where dreams are made, and this is where dreams are broken. So it's a it's a fun time of year. I think we're going to have fun with this. So, yeah, join the, the Raptors mandem group. Try and beat my bracket. I doubt you can. But, uh, but yeah, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun time. It's going to be fun to watch. Wow, I've never you're you're low key like a trash talker. I never took you as one, but hey man, I'll I'll trash talk until I lose. That's that's my thing. Till I lose. Even then I still might do a bit of trash talking. Who who knows? But yeah, I I I dabble. <laughs> you're uh, you're looking uh, awfully confident behind the computer screen right now, but I'll digress. Uh we're letting to the final minute of the podcast. Basically, what this is, is I ask rapid fire questions to Jin. He answers the best. And if it leads to a conversation, we'll just get into it. But we will uh, we'll, we'll start if you're ready. Let's do it, man. All right. First question. With March Madness happening, who is your Cinderella team for this year, if we even will have one? There's always going to be a Cinderella team. Like I said, LSU is kind of like my sleeper pick. But... I like Iowa, even though they are they're ranked number two. They're they're coming very underrated. Luke uh, Luke Garza, big man from Iowa. He's uh, he's going to go out with a bang, and I think they're going to make the Elite Eight. Well, looking at the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, there has been quite a few concerns about the team, how they will do in the playoffs. I know personally, I'm not too big on them being a Cup contender this year. Do you see the Leafs faltering and failing like we've seen seasons before, or is this just a really weird slump for them? Do you mean not making the playoffs? Uh, no, I would say making the playoffs, but 
considering where the expectations are for this year, do you think they're going to meet them or do you think they're going to fall short? And, and that could even mean not making the playoffs at all. They're definitely going to make the playoffs. How far they'll go, it will depend on who they play. But I think that this year, if everyone can stay healthy, that's the key thing. If everyone can stay healthy, then they'll have a, have a good shot at the Stanley Cup. Recently on uh, Twitter and Facebook, I've seen a lot of conversation around the WNBA or the Women's National Basketball Association and the NBA and how big the pay gap is between both leagues. Uh, For me, the explanation I have for that is because of how much fans are brought in, endorsements and whatnot. But do you have a timeline for when we see players in the WNBA or just in general women's professional sports being able to make the same or more as men? Obviously, we're starting to see it in places like the UFC. We're seeing it with uh, the women's national soccer team. Obviously, there's a bad contract deal there. But I think that's ending this year or next year where they'll be able to renegotiate how players are paid. But for just in general with women's sports, how soon do you think we'll be able to have that equality where players on both sides are paid the same? So I think I I see a couple things in the future that, that will add to that. So I think you'll see more former WNBA players and current slash former NBA players investing in the league and investing in the team personally more. Um, Just for example, you've seen LeBron James become minority minority owner of the Boston Red Sox. So I think he'll, um, he's such a smart business mind and there's a lot of guys like him in the NBA that they'll say, Hey, you know what? Let's buy this team. Let's, uh, let's become part owner in the WNBA. Also, expansion. Expansion will be huge. And we've talked about that in, in some of the Canadian leagues, too, like the CPL, um, the CBL. We've, we've talked about expansion before, but if the WNBA can expand to more cities and even more countries, like have a team come to Canada, I think that will be huge for getting those ladies paid what they deserve and, and really trying to even out the, um, the wage gap between the women and the men. And I'll, uh, I'll even throw in my 50 cents here. Uh, that's not the saying, but we're, uh, we're going to go with it anyway. Um, but I think a lot of it, too, is that it's uh, fan engagement and exposure to the game. The WNBA has done a fantastic job of being able to, like we see, I talked about all the time on TSN here in Canada, about the WNBA, obviously, Kia Nurse, who plays for, I think it's the New York Liberty? Uh, yeah. Or is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. New York. Uh, She's got traded. She's okay. Um, but anyway, we see her on TSN all the time and she's done a fantastic job of promoting the game and it being talked about. And I feel like with exposure and obviously the development of players is key in trying to grow the game. And I just don't think that with, and I'm, I might get myself in trouble here, but with some women's sports, they're not there yet in terms of having those big key players. Like I said before, in the USC and with the women's uh, national team in soccer, we have those players here where we see them, we know who they are, and we look to them. And I just think for at least even the National Women's Hockey League, the National Women's Basketball Association, they're definitely getting there. Like Kia Nurse, I would say is, at least in Canada, a household name at this point, because everybody knows who she is. Everybody knows who her family is. So that's definitely helped. But in terms of growing and developing, I think we're about, I would say, 10 years away before we start to really see a breakthrough with, for sure, the National Women's Basketball Association NWHL, I see taking a little bit more time because let's just be real here. Hockey just isn't that big of a sport right now in the U.S., in Canada. And I see it slowly sliding away 
which will go into my final question for last minute of the podcast. But with rankings of North American sports being the MLB, NFL, NBA, and the NHL, MLS has certainly picked up in speed and starting to pass some of these sports. So in terms of the major five within the next 10 years of sport, what do you see being the top five leagues ranked in terms of uh, dollar values within the Canada and the U S huh? That's a, that's a tough question. I would say basketball has to be up there. I'm going to say basketball, number one, NFL, number two, NHL number three, MLB number four, MLS number five. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I know that was a tough question, but I thought I would throw it out there. Um, If I'm ranking it, I think National Football League stays at number one in terms of gross revenue. The NBA is for sure going to stay number two with how quickly it's expanding, not only within the States, but Canada and just globally as well. I think Major League Soccer actually takes over the third spot with the fan interactions and the fact that it's becoming more well-known around the world. It's uh, currently, I think, the eighth best professional league in, uh, in the world. I think MLB drops to number, five, uh, number four just because of how slow the game is. I know they've tried to work on that, but personally, you're going to like baseball or you're not going to like baseball. I feel like as you get older and the more you understand it, the more of a fan you become. And I, I see the NHL struggling within the next couple of years just because I just, it's been kind of slowly dying. Not dying. It's not dying, but it's slowly getting less and less uh, uh, interesting. Even in Canada, we're starting to see people kind of slowly move away from hockey, except for. Whoa, for whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so just because the Leafs lose one playoff round to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and now you're saying the NHL is dying. Wow, that, that playoff round must have really done a number on you. You know what? What is it? It's what T.I. said a couple of years ago. It's dead and gone. Okay. Okay. Stop. Please stop quoting. First you said 50 cent. Now you're talking about T.I. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Oh, man. Okay, well, we're going to finish the podcast there. Probably the worst part. part (laughs) No, um, just actually, if you want to talk, like, just uh, take five minutes on it. Um, The NHL is, it has its fans. It's definitely creating revenue. But for me, in terms of a marketing position, in terms of an interest position, in terms of growing the game, I haven't seen anything within the last 10 years to dictate that. The two places that they've expanded to, Vegas has been really good. Um, but I think that's because there's no sports there at all. No professional sports anyway. And, um, oh, my goodness. The Vegas fans are psycho. Oh, they're amazing. They are the, – the environment – like, I want to go see a Vegas Golden Lights game some, someday. Like, I just – I've heard from many sources and, and many people that it's just cra- – it's a crazy environment there. Yeah, and I think when you kind of read into why Vegas is that good – it's just the fact that a lot of they have sports there. Don't get me wrong, they have sports, but they didn't have a professional sports franchise that was their own. That wasn't there just for the tourism and for the casino money. It was a team for the community and the people that live in Call Vegas home, which I think is a very big deal to them. For the fact that, you know, they're they're not trying to cash in 
again on the tourism and i know that's when i've read things about it they said that's when the biggest issue is that you know they're only there as a show and that they're not there for the community but finally there is a team there that is is community minded i think that goes a very large way in why vegas has been so successful and with seattle and the expansion happening uh, literally this summer if you can believe it uh, seattle's just we know they're a hockey community. They, you should see the way they treat their junior teams. Absolutely insane. And we just know that Seattle is a, a fantastic sports market. Why they lost the Super Songs a couple of years ago, I have no idea other than bad ownership, but that's that's personally just uh, just for me. They're, they're coming back. The Supersonics, I believe, will make a comeback. I think Kevin Garnett is trying to bring a team there. Well, even, I mean, with the uh, new arena, Absolutely. There's going to be an NBA team within the next decade yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll end the podcast there. Thank you so much for listening today. I hopefully you had a little bit of a chuckle with me and my bad references and uh, how out of date I am. Jane, before we get out of here, do you want to plug your socials and also Toronto for change? Yep. So um, Toronto for change coming up next week, silent auction starting uh, later tonight slash tomorrow morning. So if you sign up by ticket, uh, www.torontoforchange.com, you can find tickets there. They're only twenty dollars. It's going to be an amazing night of self-defense activity with Trey Senior. He's an MMA fighter, and also we're going to have a panel discussion with two amazing people in the sports industry. So it's going to be a super fun night, super informative. Um, but we're going to have a lot of fun, hosted by Jonathan Hood and his foundation ahead of the game, which all proceeds are going to. So. Sign up at www.torontoforchange.com and follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of it. We're, we're on all of there and we're posting daily content. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me personally uh, on Twitter at Jaden G. Jones and on Instagram at underscore Jaden G. Jones. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Red Black as well. Be sure to follow our podcast Twitter at Six Sports Talk where we talk everything Toronto sports do uh, live game updates and all that cool stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you sometime soon. Be safe and uh, have a good one.